0: All right, well, confession time for Pastor Chris today. Uh, We just started church softball season for 2023. So I feel like I need to confess something about softball season 2022. 2022 was my first year getting to play with our church team um, and also the first time I had played softball in at least eight years. So I came out and I I told Coach that my biggest contribution would be as a pitcher, but I would be a total liability at the plate. And once I got the rhythm and my motion back as a pitcher, that was true, pretty decent as a pitcher, absolutely terrible at the plate. But then something happened, and and even Coach Jared noticed it and made mention of my improvement at the plate. And here's what happened. Halfway through the season, we picked up a new player who was a phenomenal, phenomenal hitter. And not only was he a really good hitter, he brought his own bat with him. I mean, he would get up to bat, and he would just regularly knock it out of the park. He was so good and so consistent at doing that that we would give him a hard time if he didn't clear the fence and only got a triple, right? So anyway, so I'm still struggling with the plate, and as I'm getting out of the dugout to go for an at-bat one night, this guy hands me his bat and says, here, try mine. So I did. So I did. And you wanna know what happened? I got a nice hit. Like, like it wasn't a grounder that made its way into the outfield. It wasn't a grounder that someone overthrew at first, and that's why I got there. It wasn't a fly ball that happened to land in the outfield because the other team didn't catch it. It was a nice line drive into the outfield. And you know what that did in my head? It made me think this. As long as I've got that bat, as long as I've got Lincoln's bat, I am a good hitter, and I was 39 years old and absolutely convinced in my mind that something about Lincoln's bat made me a good hitter, and in my head, his bat obviously made him a better hitter, too, and trust me, it was true. In my mind, it was true. I went on a little run of excellent hitting, and then, unfortunately, disaster hit. We got to the playoff tournament and Lincoln wasn't able to make it to the games, which unfortunately meant that Lincoln's bat couldn't make it to the games. And I lost all confidence. I lost all confidence in my hitting ability and I hit really poorly in our two tournament games. So to all of our, you know, to all of our softball team, I'm so sorry that I lost this, you know, I lost this the playoff games with my poor hitting, What, which only served to reinforce that thought without Lincoln's bat, I couldn't hit the ball. In other words, Lincoln's bat was my security blanket on the softball field. Now, today we're in part two of our series, Pioneer, because as we said last week, we're all pioneers in some way, some shape, some form, like in some way or another. We are all stepping into unknown and uncertain territory, hoping to build a better future. And we're learning from the example of the story of Joshua to see how to do that with confidence without losing our mind, To fear and worry, how to to step into the new with confidence, how to step into what God has called us to with confidence without simultaneously losing our mind to fear and worry and, and anxiety, how to have real confidence, not fake surface level confidence. And last week, I challenged us to remember we can only be truly confident when we place our confidence in what God has promised us, in God's presence going with us, and His power at work through us. That's where we find the confidence and strength to move forward into whatever new God has for us. And now today, I want—I to, I talk about security blankets at the start because, because I have a very specific purpose for that. A security blanket is defined this way, a familiar something or someone whose presence dispels anxiety and gives a person a sense of protection or security. That's what a security blanket. Let me read that definition one more time. A security blanket is a familiar something or someone whose presence dispels anxiety and gives a person a sense of protection or security. For some of us, a softball bat can become a sort of security blanket. When Jalen and I got married, I found out that ladies sometimes have security cardigans, right? It'd be 107 degrees outside, but Jalen would need to bring a cardigan with her just in case she got cold. I'm like, it's it's the it's the temperature of the surface of the sun I don't think anyone's getting cold, but you got the, you got to bring the cardigan with okay for others of us and I, I don't want to step on anyone's toes here obviously. You carry around emotional support Stanleys and security coffee mugs. You're not drinking that much coffee or tea or water throughout your day. You're still dehydrated. You just feel more comfortable with that container of water or coffee or tea in your hands. For some of us, let's be honest, our phones become security blankets. Anytime we're bored, anxious, worried, we have to wait. We pull out the phones instead of feeling whatever it is that we're feeling. And for others of us, there's a person that's our security blanket. Anytime we face a difficult or challenging situation we try to convince that person to go along with us because if they're there, we can face just about anything. Now, no judgment there for whatever your security blanket may be. Well, maybe some, depending on if it's the Stanley or a cardigan that I don't understand. But here's why I bring all of that up. If we're not careful, we can hear a message like last week's where we're told that you know God is with us and God is for us and God is working through us and come to the cl- conclusion that God is kind of like our security blanket. Has has anyone ever been guilty of that? Well, here's how you know if that's ever been you. You start to say things like, well, since God is with me, I can do anything and be just fine. There's grace for any, any of my failures. As long as God is with me, I can be confident because God will cover any of my weaknesses. As long as God is with me and for me and on my side, I can do no wrong. You know, since God is with me, I'll do my best and I'll, and I'll give God the rest. I'll, I'll just, I'll do my part and, I, and I'll you know, give, give God the rest. God is on my side, whatever I'm for, God will give his blessing. Well, I prayed about it and I, didn't, and I didn't hear God say no and that must be the same thing as him saying yes. And as you go down that list, you can start to hear where that gets a little bit dangerous, right? Because, because the dangerous part is where it starts to sound like this. It starts to sound like God is with me and for me therefore God is on my side do you start to hear like can you hear how that becomes a dangerous way of thinking since God God is with me God is for me therefore God is on my side and here's the thing I know like you know that there have been times in my life when God was with me but he probably wasn't for whatever it was that I was doing right I mean, he was with me because his love and grace are bigger than my sin and bad choices, but he had better plans and better things in mind for me. True confidence, here. true confidence to step into the new that God has for us, it does not come from assuming God is for whatever we are for. or or, or wants for us whatever we want for us, that is what we would call presuming on God, or we call presumption or spiritual presumption. And that's a dangerous habit to allow to develop in our lives. Presuming on God is what causes people to say things like, well, this relationship makes me happy, and I know God wants me to be happy, so this must be what God wants. You you you, like you, you just you made that up to justify your behavior. Well, God wants me to get good grades, but I have to cheat to get good grades. Therefore, God must be okay with a little bit of copying, plagiarizing, unauthorized note using, like, like God must be okay with that since God is with me and God wants me to be happy, like God is on my side. Therefore, God must be okay with whatever it takes from my side to win. Well, God created me a free spirit. I don't need anyone or anything or any group or any church to help me feel close to God we use God as, I mean, like we accidentally use God as a way of getting around what God actually wants for us. We often play the God card when we're doing this. We When we're presuming on God, when we're we're guilty of spiritual presumption, we play the God card to justify whatever behavior we want to display. And we can easily take a message like last week's and say, well, God will never leave me or abandon me or forsake me. I know he's on my side, no matter what, and use that as permission to do whatever we want to do but today here's what i want us to understand there's a better way to live our lives and a better way to approach our heavenly father and a better way to step into whatever new god has for us with actual confidence because here's what i know about you and here's what i know about me when you step into the into the future hope with presuming on god you are stepping out in a lot of presumption and a lot of hope and your confidence is not real confidence. You don't have a real or lasting confidence. You have a superficial confidence because you know deep in your heart that whatever it is you're stepping into and you're trying to justify and you're trying to make it okay and make it, you put all kinds of spiritual language around it, you know that that does not last. You know that's something that cannot be sustained. So when we want to step with real confidence into the future, the question is not, is God on my side? The real question is, am I on God's side? The, the, the question is not, is God on Chris's side? Is, is God on your side? Is God on my side? That's not the question that we should be asking. That's a question that leads to presumption. That's a question that leads to insecurity. That's a question that leads to a lack of confidence. If we want real and lasting confidence to step into whatever it is that God has for us and has called us to, the real question that we need to answer and dig deep down in and examine ourselves in is simple question, Am I on God's side? Have I chosen to align myself with what God has for me? In other words, am I so confident that God knows and has what's best that when my will and his will collide, I'm willing to lay down my will to pursue his will and his plan? Am I willing to lay down what I want because I'm so confident that what he wants is better? Will I refuse to use God to further my agenda and use my life instead to further his agenda. As we continue to look to the life of Joshua today, we're going to see that in Joshua's life, as in every life, and particularly every leader's life, there came a moment for him where he had to decide, am I going to try to get God on my side or am I willing to be on God's side? Where we pick up the story today, Joshua and the Israelites have already crossed over the Jordan River and they are now in the promised land. They're they're in the promised land, but they have not yet taken hold of the promised land. They don't live there yet, for they have not won any battles. They don't own anything. But symbolically, they've taken their first step. They've crossed the river, and they're now standing in the land that was promised to them. There's a desert behind them, and there are battles ahead of them. And in that in-between moment, God has a little test for Joshua and the nation to see where they're at. In Joshua chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says this, When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. At at that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise this second generation of Israelites. And you're like, whoa, 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 what? Like, wait, God's got everyone on the run. God's got everyone paralyzed with fear. All of the enemies, all the opposition is paralyzed with fear. This is the time to go get them because surely God is on our side. And it, like, and the command is simple. Hey, Joshua, I actually, while everyone's on the run, I need you to pause, and I need you to take care of something for me. And what I want you to take care of, for, for, take care of is really, really uncomfortable. And it's something that I don't, like, I'm not even really gonna say it again, except when I, like, like, this makes us all uncomfortable. Even just reading the words, hearing the words makes us uncomfortable. I am so glad that as a pastor, God has never given me that instruction or that command. So in verse three, tells us this. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel at Gibeath, Gibeath-Herloth. One of the defining marks of a leader, and this is, this is something I want, want to talk, stop and talk about for just a second. One of the defining marks of a leader is their willingness to do what no one else is willing to do. See, we're about to read how this was important for the nation and for their national identity, but let me tell you, this was a test for Joshua. God wanted to know, was Joshua willing to do the things that no one else, like, is Joshua really on God's side no matter what God's side is? Or is Joshua in it for when God is good and agrees with Joshua? Joshua. Was Joshua willing to do what no one else was willing to do? So here's the question for you. What may define your life and your leadership and your parenting and your ability to step with confidence into the new is simply the question, are you willing to do what no one else is willing to do? Are you, like when God calls, when God calls and is looking for a man and looking for a woman to step up and do what no one else has been willing to do, but will shape the future and will define the future and will change a city and will change a family's destiny. Are you willing to do what no one else has been willing to do to make that a reality? Can I tell you what? Like I identify with this concept when it comes to movement church, because as we were in the process of deciding when and how we were going to start movement, I probably had conversations with five or six other youth pastors or young adult pastors who said, oh, that's awesome. All, I always had the same idea of moving to Cruises to plant a church. I guarantee, I guarantee I am not the first person God tapped on the shoulder about planting the type of church that movement is and has become. And I don't say this pridefully at all. I'm just the one who said yes. Like, I, I do not think I'm the first one that God, you know, like, tapped on the shoulder. I just know I'm the first one who said, yes, I'm just the one who, I'm the one who was willing to leave a great job and great church to step into the unknown. I'm the one who was willing to leave a great salary to step into the unknown of church planting finances and salary. I'm the one who was willing to, to go to churches and beg them to financially get behind the idea and support us financially for our startup costs. I'm the one who has a wife who was willing to say yes to do the things that God was calling us to do. Again, no pride in this at all. I am not the first one to be called, but I was the one who said yes. And for some of us that want to be leaders in whatever realm it is, in family life, in community, at work, on campus, wherever, if we want to be known as seen as leaders, sometimes it means we have to be the ones willing to say yes when everyone else has said no, to say yes to whatever God is calling us to do that everyone else has deemed too difficult or too, or too crazy or too out there, but we say yes to whatever God has called us to do. And we're do what other people have been unwilling to do. And that will define us as leaders, will set us apart as parents, will set us apart in the business community, will set us apart and mark us as people of influence who accomplish things that no one else was able to accomplish. Now, scripture goes on to tell us why this was important in the in the in the identity for the identity and the national identity and the spiritual place that the, that the nation of Israel was and was about to go. It says in verse 4, Joshua had to circumcise them because all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died in the wilderness. Now, they, they had been circumcised. Those who left Egypt had all been circumcised, but none of those born after the Exodus during the years in the wilderness had been circumcised. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died. So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. Now, this is part of their story. When Moses showed up, he told the nation, look, if you wanna see God do something for you, you better do this thing. And this is to be a lasting sign of the relationship with God. This is something that God began with Abraham This is something that goes back to our forefathers. This is something that God had instituted for our people. And if we want to be God's people, this has to be true of us. So they did what Moses told them. And then God did his thing and delivered the people. And after God did what they hoped he would do, they immediately did what most of us do. And they went back to life as usual. And so they spent the next 40 years of life having their sons and daughters and not doing what it was what was required of them to be to be known as the people of God. We did what God wanted, so God would do what He what we wanted. We did what God wanted us to do, so God would do what we wanted us, what we wanted Him to do. We formed a transactional relationship with God. We did this, so God would do this. We did A, so God would do B. We did this, so God would be on our side. We play faithful when there's something we want, right? We pray when there's something we need, and neglect God when life seems okay. We head to church when life gets rough and neglect church when life is fine and dandy. We head back to a small group when things are tough in marriage and ignore group when we can handle life on our own. This was not. This was not that. This was not a one-for-one one blessing because God doesn't really function like that. This was God reminding the nation that though that through their sustained obedience and faithfulness, whether that was an, there was an immediate reward or not. They could stay in a place ready to receive something from God because of their obedience and their identity. And here's the principle. You stay ready to receive from God, ready to receive, whether there's a blessing or an immediate return or not. You stay ready to receive from God when you continually and unconditionally say yes to God. So God, this is who you want me to be this is what you want me to do this is where you want me to go this is how you want me to speak this is how you want me to conduct myself this is who you want me to be as a parent this is who you want me to be as an employer this is who you want me to be as an employee this is who you want me to be as a teacher as a a, like as, as a person involved in the community like yes you you have my unconditional yes and you have my continual yes they got, I, I want to be a person that you can bless. And since, since, since that's what you've asked of me, yes. And whether there's an immediate return or not, whether there's an immediate you know, blessing or not, whether there's an immediate anything or not, I want to be a person that you can bless. I want to be a blessable person. I want, to, I want to be a person who can receive from you whatever you want to put in my hands. So if it requires my obedience, if it requires something of my identity, if it requires a change in me, the answer is yes. I give you my continual yes. I give you my unconditional yes, because I want to stay in a position where I can be blessed by God, and this is what, what God had asked of the nation, that, 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 that they would be a people who marked themselves, who actually their identity was, was, was tied up in the idea of circumcision. He says, I want your identity to reflect that you are my people. And if you'll be true to that, I will stay faithful. If, if you'll prove that you are on my side through this uncomfortable act, I'm just telling you, like, you will stay in a position where you can be blessed. And as, as these people stepped into the, into the land of promise, before they went into battle, before they went to any battle, before anyone would, would actually run from them in fear, before any walls would fall down, before any swords would, would, would hit shields, before any spears would, 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 would catch walls, before any of that would happen, God wanted to know, are you willing to join my side? Are you willing to give me your continual yes and your unconditional yes? Are you willing to join my team? Because if you'll join my team, you'll be in a position where I can bless you anytime, any day, any moment of your life. Now, he goes on and tells this, this part of the story. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. You bet they did, right? I mean, just imagine if God was like, now, go fight a battle the same day. They're like, it's like, hey, God, uh, we're obedient, but we just had outpatient surgery. We're going to need a day or two, right? Like, like this is, like, as you, we didn't need to be told that. I, I, I'm pretty sure they rested a day or two, right? So then the Lord said to Joshua, today, Today, I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place was called Gilgal to this day. In other words, God says, because of your obedience, you are no longer identified as people who were slaves. You are now identified as people who are my children. Because of your obedience, because of your continual yes and your unconditional yes, I know that that's no longer who you are. Now you are my sons and my daughters, my children, living as part of my family. Now this moment, this pause in between, wraps up in an, in an interesting way just a few verses later. Just a few verses later, it tells us that like, while everyone's kind of resting up, or as everyone's getting, getting re- you know, kind of physically ready and preparing themselves and coming out of this surgery moment and looking towards the next moment. It says this in verse 13, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho. So Joshua, who performed all this outpatient surgery, everyone's healed up, and he takes a a little bit of a stroll. He goes near Jericho where where they knew their first battle was going to take place, where, where they knew they were headed towards. He takes a walk. He goes near the town of Jericho. He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Are you friend or foe? Here's what Joshua meant. Are you on our side or their side? Are you on Israel's side or Jericho's side? Whose side are you on? Do we gotta fight you or are you gonna fight with us as we fight them? Verse 14, neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? Joshua, who had, who had just in obedience to God performed outpatient surgery on thousands of grown men he goes, yeah, I mean, like you would think he'd have this moment of like, oh, what now? Like, like, what else are you going to ask me to do? And you see from Joshua, this humble submission, this humility of, I am at your command. What would you have me to do? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Again, the real question is not, is God on our side? The question as this commander of the angel, like that Joshua didn't recognize yet, as he stands for like, are you friend or are you foe? Are you on our side or their side? Well, at the end of the day, what the commander was there to find out was, are you on God's side? Are you humbly submitted to to God. Are you humbly submitted to whatever God has for you to do? If it's as big as outpatient surgery, if it's as little as taking off your shoes, if it's as big as here's the battle plan for Jericho, you're going to march around the wall for seven days and do nothing of fighting. Whatever the plan may be, are you on God's side and are you really willing to do whatever it is that God has called you to do? Are you really surrendered to wherever and whatever and whenever and however? Because if you really believe that the most important thing in life is that God is for you, with you, and working through you, the most natural response is not to live however you want and hope God sticks around. The most natural thing that you can do is to live life fully devoted, and fully surrendered to his will and to his ways. Because here's the bottom line today. True confidence does not come from knowing that God is with me. True confidence comes from knowing that I am with God. True and lasting, not surface confidence, not false confidence, not I'm living confidently, but I actually don't have, I'm really scared and insecure on the inside. It comes from knowing that I am on the side of God that I have surrendered. I have submitted. I have devoted my life to whatever and whenever and however and wherever God wants me to do. Whatever it is that God wants me to do, I am fully surrendered to God. I am on God's side. And because I am on God's side, I know that God is with me because I have chosen to align myself with the things and the plans and the purposes of God. In other words, I have no confidence in my own ability to set the agenda. I have full confidence in God's ability to set the agenda. And so whatever he asks, I am on board because I believe he knows best. So, wherever he says, that's where I go. Whenever he says, that's when I go. Whatever he says, that's what I do. And however he says, that's the plan. I am fully devoted, fully surrendered to God and to his will and to his ways because I am not asking God to be on my side and join my team and, and, and be a part of my agenda. I am fully devoted to God's will and God's agenda, and being on God's side, and that's where real confidence comes from. And if you wanna know why real confidence comes right there, it's, it's, it's because this proves true, the the, the old classic line, and I don't, the, I've don't, i heard this for so long in my life that I don't even remember the, where, where, where it came from the first time that I heard it, but this incredible truth is, 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 is what we take away from, from this story, that God takes full responsibility for the life fully surrendered to him. That what was to come in Jericho, and what else was to come in the battles in the promised land, and the big battles that would be won, and the victories that only God could do, and everything that was to to come for Joshua, it came in response to a life that was fully surrendered to God. And the same thing is true for you, and the same thing is true for me, that God takes full responsibility for the life that is fully surrendered to him. This is why we find confidence there. This is why we do not find confidence in "I'm going to do what I what I feel like I should do and hope that God's with me on my side." That God doesn't take full responsibility for the life that's presuming on Him. God takes full responsibility for the life that is fully devoted to His plans and His purposes and His ways and His and His ideals and His side. That when we join the side of God, God goes, "I've got." you in my hands. God takes full responsibility for the life that is fully surrendered to him. And so today, I've just got a couple questions for you of some areas that you may want to consider surrendering to God that maybe, just maybe, you have yet to surrender to God, that you've lived a life where some of your life has been surrendered and submitted to God, but other areas of your life you have held on. To. So I would to today suggest a few areas that you may still have yet to surrender, because God will take full responsibility for the areas of your life that you have fully submitted to Him. Have you surrendered your time to God? I mean, what if, what if the first thing that you scheduled every month was your time with God and your time for God? You're like I'm, like, I'm so busy. I've got so much on my plate. I got so much on my schedule. I got so much going on with the kids, so much going on with school, so much going on at work. Like I, I'll, I'll get around to God, when I, God, God time and devotion and prayer. I'll get around to that if I have the time. No, 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 no. What if, instead of hoping that God fits around everything else, you place God as the first thing that everything else revolves around with your time. That's what it looks like for your time to be surrendered to God, your relationships. What if, what if you thought more about what God wants you to bring to a friendship than what you wanna get from the friendship? Like what if what if you thought like hey how does God want to use me as a person of influence, a person of encouragement, a person of truth, a person who challenges lovingly to other people so that they can grow closer to God because of me instead of me continuing looking for mentorship and mentorship and what I can get from someone else. Now we should be looking for mentorship. We should be looking for what we can, you know, receive and how we can grow because of someone else's influence in our lives. We should be looking for that as well. But what if instead of just looking for what we can get, Yet we also look for what we can bring to the table with our relationships. What if we surrender our relationships to God? With our family, what if life wasn't just about making marriage and parenting work, but marriage and parenting could be mirrors to reflect the goodness of God to the world around us? Like, what if with your marriage, what if with the way you parent your children, what if God actually wants to use you to show people around you something that works because you're following the ways of God in your marriage and in your parenting. If your finances, what if instead of a race to accumulate, you view finances as a means to accomplish whatever it is that God wants to accomplish? I mean, for, with the economy the way it is, with, with prices and, and inflation the way it is, it's so easy to go. Everything's tighter, 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 tighter than it's ever been. And while everything is tighter than it's ever been and it's more difficult to get the groceries and your grocery budget and your you know, gas and the gas station, all, all, and, and your and housing price and everything's going up. But what if while all of that is happening, we still continue to look to God and go, God, you've got my finances in your hands. And so I'm gonna continually with my finances look for ways that you want my finances surrendered and submitted to you because I want my finances not just to be a means to to support my lifestyle. I want my finances to change and shape and influence the world to know Jesus. Are Are we surrendered our finances to God? And your career, what if your career wasn't a race to the top, but was a race to serve whoever and however God wants you to serve? That your job isn't just a means to an end to get a paycheck. Your job isn't just a means to an end to get to the, to the, to the next job and the next job and the next job and get, you know, work your way up the corporate ladder. But as you're doing all of that, that you also choose to use your career and use your time at work, that God has placed you there so that you can be a servant to lead people to a closer understanding of Jesus. And I'm just telling you, you're thinking like, if I do all of that, who's gonna be looking out for my bottom line? Who's gonna look, look out for my career? Who's gonna look out for my time and make sure that I've got all the time that I need? Who's gonna look out for my, like, my, my relationships and make sure that I'm getting what I need? You know who's gonna do all that? God, because God takes full responsibility. He takes responsibility for your life, for your time, for your relationships, for your family, for your finances, for your career, for your education. He takes full responsibility for that. When you live a life that fully surrenders all of that into his hands. And that's why as you step into whatever new that you're stepping into as a parent, as a coach, as an educator, as, 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 a, as, as a married person in relationships, in whatever it is that you're starting, As you're stepping into the new, you can step into new with confidence when you have surrendered and submitted yourself and your plans and your time and your finances and your family and your relationships and your career and your education and your leisure time and your vacation, all that, you can rest with confidence. You can walk with confidence. You can step with confidence when you have placed every bit of your life into the hands of God because he, takes full responsibility for the life that is fully surrendered to him. So the question today for you, are you still living trying to get God on hoping that God is on your side? Or are you living in a way that has surrendered your life into the hands of God and has said, whatever God is doing, I want to be on his side. I'm not going to hope and pray that God blesses my side. I'm going to choose to move my life so that my life is completely parked on the side of God. Because God will take full responsibility for the life that is fully surrendered to him. And when you fully surrender your life and your finances and your career and your family and your relationships, God will take full responsibility for your life. And that is how you pioneer with confidence. That's how you step with confidence into the new season and the new moments and the new days to come and the days ahead as a parent and the days ahead as a a married person and the days ahead as as, as you move forward from loss and as you move forward from from a difficult season into a new season of what you hope will be better than than the season before. This is how you step forward with confidence because you're not praying that God will be with you. You know that you are with God. That's what Joshua did. That's what I hope you'll do that we'll choose every single day for the rest of our lives to be on the side of God and watch what God does as he takes full responsibility for our lives, fully surrendered to him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, today, I thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your incredible love for us and your grace for us. God, today, I pray that we would have the wisdom to know what to do with what we've just heard. God, and, I, and I, I'm just gonna say the wisdom, the wise thing to do in response to what we've just heard is to surrender our lives to you to surrender our time, our finances, our relationships, our family, our career, our education, everything about us, to surrender it all into your good and loving hands because you take full responsibility for the life that's fully surrendered to you. And God, I pray more than anything that we would just continually choose that we're gonna be on your side, that we're not not gonna hope that you're on our side, that we're not gonna presume that you're on our side, but that we are gonna continually live our lives in a way where we choose to be on your side where we surrender our lives and our time and everything that we have to you so that we can be confident that not, not just that you are with us, but that we are with you. And we pray that you would show yourself to be faithful and true to what we know to be true, that you do take full responsibility for, the, for our lives as we fully surrender to you. So God, help us today to do that. Help us to have wisdom to know where in our lives we still need to surrender and help us to have the courage to actually do it. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this challenge. And God, today we pray that you'd give us the courage to actually put it into practice. And we get to watch as, what, as you do what only you can do in response to our surrender. We love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.